You're listening to Heart of Mind Radio for the New Millennium, and I'm your host, Katherine Davis. Our guest today is a very special woman. Her name is Anna Gatman. She's a PhD, an international fashion model turned spiritual innovator. Anna is an educator, author, and expert in transformative living. Her multicultural background spans the United States, France, Israel, and Sweden. In her TEDx talk, You Can Eat Your Cake and Have Enlightenment Too, she shows how fully living our calling is a path to spiritual, material fulfillment and balance. Anna is creator of the Aligned Life Program, helping mission-driven professionals live and work in spiritual, material balance. And she is the author of the book, Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, The Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance. And I want to welcome you, Anna, to Heart of Mind Radio. Thank you for joining me today. Hello, Catherine. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Yes, and I love the concept that you bring to your work, this balance of the spiritual and the material. Because if we were to listen to conventional wisdom from either of these worlds, we would hear that maybe there isn't a balance and we would have to give up one or the other. And of course, I don't believe that to be the case. So this is going to be, I think, very inspiring for our listeners. As we get started, however, I would love for people to get to know a little bit more about you, the human being. So tell us a little something about your childhood, perhaps, or your career and how you sort of transitioned to this space of understanding the balance. Or was there always a calling underneath what you did? 
Yeah, well, I was born and raised in Israel to an Israeli father, a Swedish mother, a Jewish father, a Christian Protestant mother, a domineering father, and a lenient mother, and alcohol and rage in my family. So I was kind of born into a life of extremes. It was very difficult as a child, but as an adult, it really, I realized how I've been trained to live out of balance and feel the polarities and then find unity within them. Um, then I, I, I went off to become a fashion model unexpectedly because I was redheaded. I had a heavy stutter. I had not been good in school. I had undiagnosed learning challenges. Um, you know, I hated myself at age 18, thought I was ugly. Uh, but somebody offered me a job in Paris, France at age 18, and I took them up on it and worked in Paris for 10 years. Uh, as an international fashion model and had a very gratifying material life. But obviously something was missing because I'm very mission driven. And so I went back to school to pursue studies in education and spirituality and got married, raised a family. And you'd think I'd be, I'd be happy finally. And I wasn't because on the one hand I had um spiritual fulfillment, intellectual stimulation, emotional fulfillment with a family and school. And yet I was missing the material abundance I had experienced in France and not in the, in the conventional way of 17 Ferraris in my garage, but the um, dedication to the craft of making amazing bread or um, um Anything, you know, fashion or art, uh, anything in France, they're so good at um, dedication, hard work to to craft something that shows the love for the food or the art. And so I didn't think that that was something that was wrong. And yet I picked up somewhere that in order to be spiritually um, fulfilled and to live a um, a fully spiritual life, I'd have to give up material pleasures. I think that we all somewhere picked up that notion that true sp- spiritual people live very humble life with no material desires. And here I was torn between really appreciating beautiful art and, and, and the creation of artifacts and people's creation of anything, of clothing or of um, things for the house or genius ideas and projects, but those were all material things and I shouldn't be be appreciating them. So I was really kind of torn between the spiritual and the material life and felt that I wasn't spiritual enough. Um, And at some point I just had an aha moment in in the English countryside uh, visiting a friend and um, I woke up one morning and I just raised my head and looked out at the rolling hills of the English countryside, which we all know are gorgeous and saw the different hues of green and the dark trees and the fields and the flowers. And I just had this aha moment that nature is in unity and balance between its material expression and spiritual expression. Everything we can see and sense with our five senses, the colors, the trunks, the trees, the grass, that's the material expression of nature. But it's also expressing spiritual qualities that are emanating um, joy, tranquility, inner peace, grandeur, force. There's so many qualities that nature is emanating that when we spend time in nature, and there's been research about it also, that um, it evokes those qualities in us. And so I realized, okay, if nature is in balance between material and spiritual aspects, then so are we. 
um, so that's been, been like a short version of my journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it makes absolute sense. And I love that you're incorporating this understanding of nature into um, your spiritual practice and your spiritual teachings, because of of course, we as human beings are ourselves an expression of nature. So, mm-hmm. love that. Absolutely. And yes, yeah, so I know that you have uh, a lot of things that you are offering. I had a chance to look at and in, enjoy your website, which um, for people who want to check it out is, I believe, AnnaGatman.com, A-N-N-A-G-A-T-M-O-N. Com. Um, so, but I want to go more into this work that you have. So maybe you can introduce your book to us because it really is a tool, is it not, for people to, in a way, use it to transform their own expression into one that can connect to both the spiritual and the manifest. Yeah. Um, so really through my doctoral research, I, I developed these four keys uh, to spiritual material balance. And I want to say that the spiritual material balance is, is just the first step of realizing how out of balance we are and how much we see the world as either material or spiritual. Um, and, and there's a great quote um, by Andrew Harvey that says that... Um, we're so addicted to either materialism or to transcending material reality that we don't see God right in front of us in everything. Um, and so the first step is the balance and seeing how much out of balance we are. And then the second step is really creating spiritual material abundance. And I was just at the heirloom fair in Santa Rosa the other day, and I saw what true abundance is tables upon tables with varieties of vegetables and root, like 50 types of eggplants, you know, 30 types of garlic, um, you know, 50 types of dahlias. I mean, it's just you see what abundance there is in nature, and yet we have turned abundance into something that is just money or material things that are kind of devoid of any spiritual essence. And so my book is really about regaining that balance and creating abundance in our life, spiritual abundance and its expression in material abundance. So that's kind of the first um, or the main idea, the premise of the book. And then I developed the four keys through my research um, so that um, each one of us can travel daily, momentarily from the spiritual to the material in a very concrete way because many times spirituality is so vague that we don't really know how to implement it in our daily life. And so the four keys can, can actually help you in a concrete, simple way, travel spiritual material and back again and implement it in your life so that there's more balance, abundance, and fulfillment. And I'm happy to go into the four keys, but this is kind of the premise of the book. Excellent. And I would like to go into the four keys. And as you do that, could you give um, maybe an anecdotal story to go with that key so people can realize it in a more um, significant way? Mm, sure. Happy to do that. So um, 
so I'll just go over them quickly just so so and, and then I'll put them into into a story so or an example so um, the first key is expansive presence and what I realized through my research was that uh, underlying all spiritual experiences is a sense of expansiveness um, and that's really how luminaries sages saints live they live in this expansive state of consciousness and what I realized that we all have access to it through simple acts that we're already doing throughout our day, but we're not noticing the shift in our consciousness to a more enlightened version of ourselves. Um, and so the first key is expansive presence. And the second key is attentive listening, because once we expand our presence, what I um, realized from my study was that we become aware of information that was not available for us as second ago when we were in a more constricted state of mind. And so what we need to do is just attentively listen once we're in this expansive state and intuitive guidance will show up in the form of gut feeling. I mean, the, the, the words are in the language. We just don't think about it. Gut feeling, inner knowing, intuitive hunch, or through an external um, event, you know, the book that shows up just when we need the message or the person that shows up in our life just when we need um, this lesson from them or the support from them. And so then we receive this um, knowing that's intuitive. And then the third key is inspired action. And that's really once we have this inspiration of a, a knowing of what we should do in a specific situation where when, when we receive an insight, is to act upon it with inspiration and determination because we need to do our part in order for the universe to show up for us. And so inspired action is really the, the key to manifesting your dreams, your goal, your purpose. And then the fourth key is um, faith-filled knowing. And that's that moment where you realize that when you show up fully, the universe shows up fully back and there's a relationship of co-creation that occurs between us and the world around us. And so these are the four keys. And so um, I'm happy to, to give you an example. It, it's in the book um, of a time when I was, um, I just moved to the U.S. I didn't have a um, work permit yet. I just had a residence permit. And we were short of money and we ended up with $6.00 in our account and no savings. And um, it was a very difficult period. Um, and I had no solution of where we'd find money or how we would get through to the next paycheck. And um, one morning I was just looking out the window and there was a fountain that birds would come and drink from the fountain. And I was in this distressed mode looking out the window so I was in a constricted state, the constricted state that I spoke about a, a second ago. And I'm looking out the window and suddenly, you know, like 15 birds show up and they're hovering and, and, and in and out of the fountain. And I'm just looking at their colors and their shapes and their beauty. And for a moment, I forget my worries. And what happens is my consciousness expands without me even working at it. And I just appreciate the beauty of the birds and just go into their world and just am just transported. That is the first key, expansive presence. And we can create it intentionally. And I speak in the book 
how we can do that. But this just happened spontaneously. And as I expanded my consciousness, I suddenly had the thought, so that is the second key, attentive listening, to count my blessings. And so because I practiced the four keys for over a, a decade now, I said, okay, so the second key here is at play. Let me count my blessings. I've been given a guidance to count my blessings. So I'm looking at the bird, and I move to the third key, inspired action. And I'm counting my blessings. I have a house, a roof over my head. I have a car. There's still food in my house. I've got two children in school. They're healthy. They're happy. I've got friends all over the world and family who I love and who love me. I suddenly felt such an abundance from expanding my consciousness by just looking at nature in this case and just listening to this thought that just came in from nowhere, count your blessings, and me taking action upon it and counting my blessings. So that was the third key. And I suddenly felt such abundance, and I still only had $6 in my bank account, but I was blessed with abundance. And so I had this faithful moment that the universe is showing up for me if I show up, if I work through the four keys, if I open up to the messages and the synchronistic events that show up in my life, and then I listen attentively to what's, what they're trying to tell me and act upon it. I live it in abundance, in true abundance. And, you know, just how things show up in the material world, within a few days, um, there was a refund for something that had happened like two months earlier that I had totally forgotten about it. And that kind of carried us through to the next paycheck. And I've had miracles like this occur until we were kind of stable and I got a work permit in the U.S. and, and so forth. So this is an example how the four keys happen in our life anyway, but if we're aware of them, we can amplify the experience and the abundance in our life as well. Yes, that's very true. I can I resonate very much with what you're saying. And I think what happens though is that people do get stuck in that mental state where the thoughts are just circling, sort of like vultures and just feeding them, um refeeding them these negative worries and concerns. And that often um, has a way of impacting the physical body, the tension in the body. And so many things can um, happen as a result of these life stress stressors and worries that we encounter. So perhaps you can advise our listeners on how to break through that mental trap, as I would describe it. Mm. So, yeah, the first thing is really to start paying attention to how we're out of balance between our spiritual essence and our material expression. So I'll I'll give you an example around calling, how that manifests. Um, So we each have something that we're really good at, a gift that we have. That's the essence of our calling. That never changes because that's an innate gift that we've been given at birth. Um, a capacity of talent that we have. Its expression can happen in in many different ways. That's the material expression of it. So the first thing is to start thinking spiritual material. So let's take an example of an accountant, which, you know, many of us would joke and say that an accountant is a kind of a boring job. But if you look at the essence of what an accountant brings to a company, they bring order, they bring quietude, comfort, stability, 
expertise, um, capacity to grow, sustainability. Now, I've just mentioned 10 qualities that we would consider to be spiritual, but we don't see that in the accountant, and the accountant doesn't see it in themselves. But if the accountant walked around with these qualities going, this is what I create in the company, sustainability, growth, and peace, order, calmness, suddenly they feel fulfilled with what they're doing. And if their team members in the company would appreciate that and say, you bring so much order and peace in the company and stability, we really appreciate you for that. Suddenly, in a very mundane situation, an accountant would feel spiritually fulfilled and materially gratified because they know the spiritual qualities that they're bringing to the company and they see the material expression of it in the results for the company. So here we've taken something very mundane and we've, we've added the spiritual co- hidden component. We appreciate its material expression and combined we can feel fulfillment, balance, and abundance as well, spiritual abundance as well as material abundance. So this is an example of how simple, it's not always easy to find the spiritual qualities that are hidden because we're not trained. It's like a muscle that we haven't trained, but it's there available to all of us. So, so, so this is an example around calling. Um, I can give an example how to appreciate material things. Um, and so if you take a book, you, you take my book or you take any other book, it looks like a you know, simple material thing, but actually all books um, are ideas, are imagination. So my book is um, spiritual principles that I have worked and developed and identified and turned from the spiritual using language, ink and paper, <laughs> in order to turn into something that just looks very material, a book. But when you read the book, it again turns from a material thing to spiritual principles, which you understand, can implement, and can um, use in your daily life. So here's something simple and material as a book has spiritual components in it, and when you read it, they transform again into something spiritual. And so if you begin to appreciate the hidden qualities in material things, suddenly you're not just buying shoes and you're going, it's not satisfying. You're buying shoes because you create more comfort, (laughs) um, ease, or you just got a promotion and you decide I'm going to splurge and I love shoes as an example, of course. And so you buy something and they represent the hard work that you've put in to getting this promotion. And they represent your creativity, your love for color, maybe because you bought a pair that is just what you've seen in the store and you love and, and you've been waiting for it. So it also represents your patience to wait, your perseverance, your hard work, your education, whatever has taken you to the point that you buy the shoes. And it's just an example. There's so many other reasons that you can find why you buy a pair of shoes. So suddenly, a simple pair of shoes, which we could see as material indulgence, really has has spiritual qualities. And then the shoes are much more satisfying than buying another pair of shoes and another pair of shoes. And it's never satisfying because we never think of what is the spiritual fulfillment that I get from it. And if we don't, 
then maybe we don't need the shoes. But I bet you that there are a lot of material things around us that if we looked for the hidden spiritual fulfillment in them, we'd find them and it would be so much more satisfying. So these are just a few examples of it. Yeah, and it causes me to think that this is really a revolutionary way of thinking that could transform on so many different levels, um, primarily by changing that focus could cause us to be so much more compassionate with ourselves and with each other. So how do you recommend people begin to cultivate this mindset within themselves? Hmm. You know, the simple practice, so in a sense, we really need to go back to appreciating profound simplicity. So all traditions speak of the breath, you know, that through meditation, yoga, that your breath is with you all the time. You can drive down the highway and just pay attention to your breath. You can meditate and pay attention to your breath, but start looking at it from a larger perspective. Again, spiritual experiences are about an expanded perspective. So you're driving down the highway and you're thinking of your breath and how amazing it is that this planet is created with so much abundance and creativity and that it affords us the capacity to breathe so in a sense oxygen is a form of love it's the universe love in the form of oxygen and so the minute you start thinking of a larger perspective of any given situation i was just i was given a talk here locally and somebody held you know a plastic pen and suddenly she began looking at what had created that pen the people who had worked on it the minute you begin looking at a larger perspective on how this thing came to be. So that's one way that you can start to implement it. Appreciate material things. When you're using your smartphone, don't just say, okay, it's a material icon that I need, but think of what pleasures or what spiritual qualities are inherent in it. I, I have a chat, which is a family chat with, with family in Israel and Sweden, where we connect and share the meals we've had and holidays suddenly I'm experiencing family connection through a material thing, which is the phone. So start thinking, what spiritual qualities are hidden in everything around me? And you'll eventually start eliminating those things that have no value. But before you do that, really try and do the exercise. What is the spiritual quality hidden in this activity I'm doing, in this thing I'm holding in my hand, in what I'm creating um, so that's one way. Excellent. And this brings up a, another question for me. Is there a way to, because this sounds very, very useful, but is there a way to sort of reverse engineer the understanding so that we can have a, a greater understanding of ourselves based on, because if you're finding a spiritual quality in something, it must be saying something about myself as well. So is there a way to come to a deeper understanding of self by this um, exercise of finding the spiritual quality in things? Hmm. I love your question. It's a beautiful question. It takes the inquiry even further, right? Yeah. Because if I look at, at, at all the material things around me and I just look them at them as one thing, then it's just one thing. But if I look at the pattern of a few things, I might discover about myself that I... Um, I love color and I love to be colorful or 
suddenly there's an opportunity to discover really qualities about ourselves, right? So the example of the shoe um, is a specific example of someone getting a promotion and then going out and buying shoes and seeing the qualities um, that are inherent as a result of buying shoes, what it represents for me. But then as you um, put so beautifully, I can sit down and say, wow, I have worked so hard to get this promotion. So the shoes are just something that I'm doing because we need to, it's easier for us to experience the world through material things, but we'll be much more in balance if, if we bring the spiritual qualities into it. But if you afterwards take a moment after you bought the shoes and you see what they represent for you, you take a moment to appreciate yourself, the hard work, the guts that you've had to, to stick with it and even ask for the promotion, let's say. And so suddenly you can sit and create a list of 10 things that you have, have done in order to get to this moment where you got the promotion and you go out and buy the shoes. So suddenly through the act of buying shoes, you're appreciating this moment, but also yourself and the, the qualities and the capabilities and the talents that you've brought to the point where you can buy a pair of shoes. So by the end of this, you're going to be like high on life. And it's not just going to be a material pursuit or a material indulgence that's meaningless. Mm. Yeah. And when you were speaking about the accountant, I have to say I have never in my life considered an accountant in that way or that aspect of life. And in fact, I would I could expand it to say that my prejudice in that regard has an impact on my own ability to be my own accountant and take care of that aspect of my life. So I could see in what you were saying about an accountant as a way of looking at various facets of my own self and responsibility and again, I was making that connection to the of the outer work to the inner work, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts uh, about that as well. That I might be misjudging pieces of myself that I can begin to look at from this perspective. I love that. I love that because beyond the accountant being somebody out there and appreciating them, we each have because we have all the parts. So you're speaking about the accountant in you, right? Yes. And so the, can, I, can I use the qualities that an accountant brings to an organization? Can I bring them into my own life? Because we all need to be organized and orderly and create balance and tranquility in order to express our calling. So some people are accountants, but most people are not, and they are doing other things. But we all need to have order in our uh, finances, right? We all mm -hmm. need that. And so using those qualities that an accountant brings and to say, okay, what would an accountant, what qualities would an accountant bring? How can I bring those qualities into my life? That is taking it even further, right? Um, yeah. And it's interesting. There is, there's, because of the split that we live in of spiritual material, then spiritual seekers kind of, they go for the joy, for the inner peace, for the unity, for the bliss. Um, and, and they don't want the material things, but we really need that balance. It's interesting because uh, Yogananda, there's a quote by him where he says that uh, business people 
who would come and study with him would advance spiritually much faster than spiritual seekers. And the reason he said for it is that in the business world, they'd acquired um, important skills, focus, hard work, dedication, um, a desire to succeed, all of these qualities, when they left the business world and they moved into the spiritual world, they just transferred those qualities into their spiritual practice. And so they advanced really quickly, more than spiritual seekers that were saying, oh, well, we don't care about money and all of these hard work and all of that. We, you know, we're just into the joy and the inner peace and all of that. But they had no skills that an accountant, so to speak, might have of how to focus on spiritual inquiry. So you need persistence, patience, and perseverance when you um, go on a spiritual inquiry as much as when you build a business. It's not that you have to give one of those up and you just stay big. And, and I think that that's why spiritual seekers just keep seeking and seeking because they're, they're just going for equality and not realizing that it has a material expression. Even if, if you meditate and you experience inner peace, it's happening in, in your body. How do you know that you're experiencing inner peace? If you go throughout your day after the meditation feeling inner peace, that's affecting everything you're doing. So your attitude, your interactions, your choices, um, decisions, um, it's affecting other people. So it's never just spiritual. It's always the two of them, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, you can definitely take it to, uh, you could think of anything, something that you don't, um, a profession that you don't appreciate and say, okay, like, where is that part in me? And what does that profession actually bring to the world? And do I have that part in me? That would be revolutionary because then we, we wouldn't create those are bad and we are good. We'd see that we have all parts, right? The so-called bad parts and the good parts and we'd own them. Yeah, I mean, and, I'm really seeing um, uh, the potential and the power of your work. And so I'm inspired by what you're saying uh, to, to, to sort of take it in both directions because... Yeah. Um, as uh, I myself am a spiritual practitioner, I do energy healing and the like, and I really resonated with that accountant aspect because that is an aspect that myself and many spiritual teachers and spiritual leaders are um, lacking in to some degree. It becomes more difficult to look at the business end of it. And there's also this fear that by looking at the business end of it, we're somehow compromising the spiritual goodness of what we're doing. So I think mm-hmm. it's it's invaluable to people in the spiritual world and to people in the material world as they may um, think of themselves to bring this union together, I think it would make a vast difference in many different ways. Yeah, yeah. So, can I share a, 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 a story, story also about a person that I worked with in one of my workshops? Because we have a very man. narrow, we, we we have a very narrow perspective of a lot of things, but we have a, a narrow perspective of what spiritual teachings are, and so. Um, and those teachers who are teaching, you know, it's, it's about be here now, um, inner peace, um, unity, all qualities that are really important. 
And those teachers who are teaching them, that is wonderful because we need, they're emanating them. They know how to pass them on to us. But think of all the other qualities that exist. And it's the same in the natural world. So many other qualities. So I worked with a person who, he was retired. He had, he was in Silicon Valley. He had made money and he was looking to find, you know, meaning and purpose, the second part of his life. Um, and so I have this exercise where we go through, uh, you know, what is a gift that you've been given, a talent you have, a capacity that you love and comes easy for you. And so he did that. And what he came up with is that his talent is clarity and direction. Now, you don't see spiritual teachers often talking about clarity and direction. It's about love, inner peace, unity. But his gift is clarity and direction because that's what had helped him be so successful in business, clarity and direction. That is a great gift. Now, that doesn't change when he retires. He's still an expert in clarity and direction. He just has to now express it in a different way. Now, he had grown up children who he was trying to force with his talent of clarity and direction to do what he thought was good for them. And that wasn't working really well for him, of course, to try to force his children to do what he thought was the best for them. But instead, he came to see that his talent of clarity and direction, he could pass on to his kids his expertise and help them find their own clarity and direction. Or he could go to nonprofit organizations and help them with clarity and direction because they all need that. So in a sense, he's a spiritual teacher for his children and his surroundings. And there's so, so many of us have so much wisdom to share but we feel we have this narrow view that only those people who speak about inner peace, be in the moment, and love, those are the real spiritual teachers, and we're not. And in a sense, there's so many qualities that are spiritual, like the accountant also, that we share that are so useful. And so we have to um, widen our perspective of what spiritual teachings are. And I'll just mm-hmm. say that in nature, it's the, it's the same thing. I mean, you you see a small little flower that's growing in between two stones and you go, wow, nobody notices it except for you just now for a second. And and it's still growing there. And, And it's bringing a quality of beauty in my moment, in my life when I'm looking at it. And so there's we all have these beautiful qualities and talents that create the diversity and the variety on the planet, both in the natural world and for us. And we all need to share that and expand our view of what spiritual teachings are. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, we still have a few minutes, but I wanted to remind everyone that you're listening to Heart of Mind, Radio for the New Millennium. I'm Catherine Davis, and my guest is Anna Gatman, and she is the author of Living a Spiritual Life, in a material world, the four keys to fulfillment and balance. And you can learn more at her website, AnnaGatman.com, A-N-N-A-G-A-T-M-O-N.com. And there's a lot there to explore. And Anna, I would love if you could give an overview of the various kind of things that you offer, because you do, as you said, um, or as you alluded to, have workshops. You have um, your book. You have, um, let us know what else you are bringing into the world right now. Yes, yes, yes. 
So I, I've been kind of thinking, how do I create something that is accessible to everybody? Because th- there's also, there's a stigma about um, spiritual things should be for free. And, and um, it, it is disgraceful to take money for spiritual things. Again, we've, we, we've created a, um, a split there because food is sacred, but we go to the store and pay for it, right? And our health is sacred, but we have to pay for it. So I was kind of struggling with that in a positive way. It was kind of, and I decided, so the latest thing, so the aligned life, I know it's still there, but what I really am into right now, which I'm creating, is a membership community. It's called Expansive Community, and it's going to be an affordable way for people to practice the four keys and the teachings that have come through me in practical ways so that people can really attain results create goals on a monthly basis and and experience the results of integrating their spiritual aspirations, dreams and goals with really material results in a concrete way. And so um, if you go to my website and there's a free offering and you join my list, then I will um, notify you in the coming month about my um, membership community, which is going to be affordable, uh, for everyone, and will really help integrate spiritual teachings so that you can actually live them in your daily life and experience more fulfillment and abundance. Excellent. And give that website one more time. So it's anagatman.com, and it's A-N-N-A-G-A-T-M-O-N.com. That's wonderful. Uh, and I think it's important um, for spiritual teachers and spiritual practitioners to find this balance. Being in that world, I do see a real imbalance, and I have experienced it personally, I would say, in that regard, where I have may consider myself to have some connection and spiritual wisdom and inner guidance, but the truth is I don't have a lot of resources to really do and create the things that I want to, so it's a balance that I'm personally seeking, and I believe that a lot of people are. So that's Mm. actually quite good news, and I thank you for that, Anna. Um, Mm. As we are uh, coming to the later portion of the program, we still have about um, a good uh, 10 10 or so minutes. Can you uh, get back to your book for a minute, Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, and let people know how they can read this book and use it um, as a tool. What will they find in it? How can they integrate some of that work yeah. as they start this process? So, 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 so first, uh, to your first part, um, the book's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and you can order it from your local bookstore. You can click on my website. It'll, it'll take you to Barnes & Noble or Amazon as well. The book really, you know, it lays out the spiritual material split and, and, and the coming together, the unity of our spiritual material aspect. But really the central piece is the four keys, and there's a chapter for each key describing it so that you can understand better what it's like. So it's not like, okay, four keys, expansive presence, how do I expand? It really gives you tools of how to expand in very simple ways that are accessible to you at any moment throughout your day. And so it, it, it describes the experience and gives you guidance of how to practice it and examples, examples of how it happens in real life, what it might look like. So really offers you the tools to 
uh, understand better what you're already doing and maybe not paying enough attention to, and also how to create it intentionally in your life so you can have more spiritual experiences, be more high on life, uh, find your calling easier, um, and just live a more fulfilling and abundant life. Well, that says a lot, doesn't it? And I'm sure it's something that we are all looking, uh, seeking to find that balance. So it's wonderful when something comes along that can help us. And um, maybe I know on your website, you've covered a lot of these things, but I I see that you have a list of long-term benefits that people can can, uh, anticipate or might occur um, as a result of using your four keys. Um, could you give us a, a little synopsis of what those long-term benefits might be to someone's yeah. life experience? Yeah. So I, I, I will go from the immediate ones because sometimes people just want to alleviate our pain or self-hatred. And so the four keys can really change your outlook and mood within minutes because the minute you expand your consciousness, you will feel better. You will feel better. And so the four keys can really help you with that. It can help you shift from feeling alone to feeling connected because when you expand your consciousness, you feel you're, you're part of something larger. And so if you practice the four keys and you're able to more often and with more ease experience that you're connected to something larger and you, you, you can actually control, in a sense, changing your mood. Um, and then you can um, begin to make intuitive decisions with more clarity and confidence because you'll begin to differentiate okay this is my rational mind thinking and this is an intuitive knowing that has come to me like a in 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 a flash of light because i share in the book um you know four characteristics of intuitive knowing so they that can help you understand how to identify that so it um and it can also have a greater impact on all your daily situations so it's momentarily, but also the more you practice the four keys, the more it'll become part of long-term shift in your life. You'll just experience the excitement of realizing your unique calling and purpose. Um, and I want to say something about that because we all know that part of spiritual journey is finding your purpose and serving. And again, if you think that we all are here to serve, but we shouldn't um, indulge in material things, but they're actually the service of somebody else's calling. So when you appreciate somebody else's creation, instead of thinking about it as material indulgence, think about it as appreciated somebody else's calling and allowing them to fulfill their calling, and the same goes back to you. So that's a really important part. And so then just overall leading a balanced, abundant, gratifying, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual life. So it really has immediate um, shifts that you can feel immediately, and then the practice can can help you develop just a new way of being in the world where miracles and synchronistic events just occur, and you feel that the universe is supporting you. And again, I, I really feel that in, there's so many self-paced courses where we're doing it all on our own, or we sit in an audience with a spiritual teacher and just hear them being high on life, but we don't really know how to create it ourselves. And so creating this um, online community 
Um, I feel as a way for people to get accountability support and really feel small goals that they can achieve with results. And so that's a way to get support as well. Yes, excellent. And um, people will be able to sign up for that at your website. And as as I'm listening to you speak, I can see how um, this system of understanding and balancing could be revolutionary on on a big scale if it were adopted as um, principles for running a business or as mm-hmm. a principle for teaching in school or as principle for um, political discourse. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like it could really make a difference. I've had certainly at least a dozen jobs in my lifetime where I felt not appreciated on the job. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and I'm sure a lot of people feel that. I have been in classrooms where I have felt invisible or not known how to have that interaction. And, and when I look at what's happening in the political scene, it's, it's more of the same. So as we are uh, closing out, can you give this a greater context in terms of how these basic principles, if expanded into more conventional use might mm-hmm. impact on such big scale. Yeah. Well, it, it, it seems so simple that it's almost as, well, it's like, this is it. But actually, it's so profound. Take, like, it's creating a dish. You put something spiritual and something material and combine them together. And you have a different consciousness and a different result. And so if you start a team meeting, and you just decide to go around and for each team member to say um, what they bring to the table. Like, let's say you're starting a project, right? And what you bring to the table, a quality that you want to bring to the meeting, okay? Or, again, a gift that you have that you want to bring, something that you're really good at. And you put that down on the board, and you refer to it. So let's say we all decide that we, we want clarity and focus and we want creativity and we want compassion as well because we want our product um, uh, to um, have compassion or to be considerate of nature. So here we are in a business meeting and we're just doing a circle of five minutes of a quality we want to have in the business meeting. It changes the entire business meeting which will change the ideas we come up with and the results we get. Suddenly we're thinking of nature and seven generations down how our product is going to affect uh, generations to come. So that, that's a business context. School as well. I mean, uh, if, if you think of a teacher, if a teacher takes a moment before the class uh, comes in to just think, how can I serve these beautiful little souls? Who are, try, who are curious by nature and who love to learn, how can I serve them to bring the best out of themselves? You've taken a moment to the so-called spiritual. You've thought of the kids instead of the material that needs to be taught. And suddenly when they come in, you look at them from a different perspective. How can I help Mark or Joanne the best, for, for the best to come out of them? Because they, they're, they're, they're good little kids by intention, and how can I see what they need the most. So suddenly the educational system can change as a result of so many small little exercises that we can do. 
you know, you think politics as well. I mean, imagine a, an environmental summit that wouldn't start in a hotel in Paris, in a fancy hotel, uh, in closed rooms, but instead everybody who is at the summit is actually going for a hike and are looking for birds or special orchid species or whatever there is there. Suddenly they have a direct connection to nature And then when they come to sit together about how to um, um, make it sustainable for humanity to live on this planet, they have a direct experience of nature versus thinking about politics in in closed room in some fancy hotel. Um, So it's really simple, but it can really change uh, everything, politics, negotiations, uh, creating products in corporations, the school system, the healthcare system. Um, I mean, that's my hope that, you know, within centuries that eventually that will change, but we should each start with ourselves in small ways. Very good. Excellent. I really, um, I like that. And because that's how I am imagining it as I listen to you speak, that potentially this can be um, globally transformative if people come to understand. And and as people learn it, they'll be spreading it um, out there and seeing the impact. So there's there's a lot of hope when we allow ourselves to bring forth that creative vision because that's what you did in this work. You opened yourself up and brought forth a gift into our world. So I want to thank you for that and remind everyone that we have been listening to Anna Gatman and the book we've been speaking of, Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, The Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance. And you can learn more at AnnaGatman.com. And that's A-N-N-A-G-A-T-M-O-N dot com. And go there. Not only will you see access to what she has available, you can sign up for her uh, building up of that uh, network, that support network. So I want to thank you very much, Anna, for joining me today on Heart of Mind Radio for the New Millennium. Kathleen, thank you so much for having me as a guest. It's been such a pleasure to be in your show and talk to you and the insights that you had and you took it further. I just loved it. So thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. And bye for now. Hopefully we'll speak again um, as time goes forward. And for those of you who tuned in for this program, thank you. You could tune in every Saturday for Heart of Mind Radio. And when you go to the website, go to the archive page for Heart of Mind. You will see a link for this program and other programs. You can listen again and perhaps send it out to your friends who might enjoy and benefit the program. So bye for now. May you have a week that is full of blessings and prosperity. And we'll meet again soon. Bye for now. Yeah. And you've been listening to Heart of Mind Radio for the New Millennium. I'm Catherine Davis. You can connect with me through email at heartofmindradio at gmail.com or Go to my website, heartofmindradio.com. And now we're going to listen to 
Brian Jackson and Gail Scott Heron, A Prayer for Everybody. Oh, 